kid not affected by it? No. That ghost is a We're going to talk about bitterness um, because when things fall apart, when things collapse is the title of our series. Uh, when things collapse, we have an amazing, incredible, and painful opportunity to become bitter. At least it affects most of us. Obviously, there was one of those babies in there that uh, really wasn't affected. Now, I'm not sure how you feel about babies trying lemons. Uh, maybe you're on the side more that that feels like you're hurting a child. Uh, I'll just let you know that the reason that I showed that is because when I watched the video, I watched it with my my eight-month-old in my lap, and she smiled and giggled throughout the whole thing. So I'm assuming as babies go, they think it's mildly funny, so I thought I would share that uh, because it does talk uh, lead into our topic today of bitterness really, really well. Now, I think what's interesting about bitterness is whether it's bitterness in food or bitterness in our lives, in our hearts, it, we still respond, we react to it the same. It's that when you step into someone's world, it's always easiest to see it in others uh, first, but if you step on someone's area uh, of bitterness in their lives or a topic of bitterness or a relationship that they have some bitterness and resentment around, it's like, whoa, okay? Your response, because their response is like, whoa, it kind of blows up. It's almost volcanic in essence. You're like, that emotional response was so much more than it needed to be, but that's because you were stepping into an area of their life where there was bitterness. And you know this, if you think about it, in your own life too, that when you have an area of bitterness and someone you know, gets too close to it or something, you have a tendency to react really strongly as well. I want to share with you uh, just a personal example of my latest run-in with bitterness. Uh, it, uh, and, and please, try not to laugh. Uh, this is very, very serious. Um, I was at Casey's, and I was buying some pizzas, and uh, I went out to went up to check out at Casey's, and uh, the the gentleman um, had me you know swipe, swipe my card, and then I had to sign. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I, I looked at the little keypad thing, and then I looked at the stylus that I was supposed to sign with, and I was like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not sure I want to touch the stylus that everybody else touched, but. I didn't see any way around it. I just figured I was going to have to hand Sandy a bunch when I got done. So I was like, okay. So I picked up the pen. I started signing my name. And, uh, and then I went to go hit the green button to wrap this, this, this thing up. And there was no green button. And I was like, Where, where's the green button? And, and the guy kind of leaned over and looked. And there was no green button. And so he said, well, why don't we try it again? So he canceled the transaction, rung it back up. I had to swipe my card again, still holding the stylus, mind you. And I went and I saw that there was a green button. I started to sign and the green button went away as I signed my name. At this point, I was getting a little bit frustrated. And then, so the gentleman walked out around the counter, came over here. So now we're less than six feet apart. So this is only getting better. And he says, I don't know, maybe try signing with your finger. And I'm like, dude, if I don't have coronavirus at this point, I certainly am going to have it after I get done signing with my finger is what I wanted to say, but didn't say that. Finally figured out the problem. The problem was somewhat me. The problem was that I signed like this. This is my actual 
signature, beautiful, I know. In fact, you can see right there the T and the A and the Y and the L and the O and the R and the getting. Right there, I know. Um, this is how I sign things. And the reality was that their little keypad thingy required me to sign more. I had to have more contact with the keypad for it to be legitimate. If this isn't legitimate, I don't know what is, okay? I'm just telling you, this is an area of bitterness for me because I just personally feel like signing those credit card statements is a little bit inefficient. I'll be honest with you, I have taken time to draw airplanes in the signature line. I've drawn stick fingers in the signature line. I have never gotten called. I've never gotten in trouble for doing that, okay? And I just kind of think that in the midst of a pandemic, we can all agree that this is a perfect time to let those stylists and signatures go away for good. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, I got two people in the room, hopefully a couple of you at home. Um, but now you realize that this is actually is legitimately an area of bitterness for Pastor Taylor. Um, I, am a little, I am a little bit bitter about it. Now, here's how we know that that is Bitterness. Here's how we know that that is bitterness. The reason we know is how the uh, writer of Hebrews describes bitterness. This is what they say. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. We'll get back to that. And that no one, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. See, the thing about bitterness is that bitterness starts as a seed, that's going to grow into something. And the seed specifically is an imbalance. There is a degree of perceived imbalance that I feel like I have been wrong, that somebody has hurt me and cost me something, or, or you owe me kind of mentality, or the, the, you didn't follow through and now you owe me, or you hurt me and you didn't even apologize. And there is some degree of wrong and imbalance in the world and, and it involves you and you get the short end of the deal. And out of that, bitterness can take root. And sometimes you respond with anger, frustration, or, or uh, and, and so that, that root is able to take place in your life. And it's gonna occur like a plant. And this is, this is so important to this concept is you need to visualize bitterness as a plant that's going to take root and then do something that all plants do. It's gonna grow. And like all plants, it's not going to grow like, boom, it's going to grow slowly. In fact, so slow that you may not even notice as it gets bigger because you got other things going on in life, but it's this slow incremental over time, one wrong after another wrong after another. And then that plant, that plant doesn't stop. It begins to produce bitter branches. Everything that a bitter plant and a bitter root be, grows into will be also bitter. Bitter branches, bitter leaves, and bitter fruit. And then the situation comes along that somebody, sometimes unknowingly or sometimes it's just the last straw, they touch that bitter plant of yours that's been growing. And like that signature issue that I have, as irrational as it may be, it brings you to the place where you react in a way that just brings to everybody's faces a bit of, whoa, 
even to yourself, you're kind of shocked at how you reacted because somebody touched that bitterness. In fact, that, that plant just like goes up in flame. It just bursts, and you react emotionally in a way that's a little bit above and beyond the norm, and everyone around you kind of knows it too, and they look at you like those babies do in the video, like, whoa, what just happened there? I kid you not. Please refrain from judgment. But I go to restaurants now for takeout, and I find myself commenting to the person who brings me the check that I'm supposed to then sign with a pen or a stylus, okay? I, tend, I found that I'm now telling them or saying something to the effect when I'm signing that. Don't you think, Mr. Waiter or Waitress, in the midst of a pandemic, we could get rid of signing for the betterment of humanity? In other words, hashtag, no sign when you dine. Thank you, Ian. Ian thinks it's a nice one. This, my friends, is my cultural revolution. This is what I'm going to bring to the world. I'm kind of mildly kidding, okay? But you know it's bitterness when you come up with hashtags and rhymes, okay? I know I have issues, but I know you are sitting there too with your areas in your life where you have experienced bitterness saying, hey, you know what? They are a little out of proportion. It may be a little extreme. It may be even a little irrational, but it's there because that's what bitterness does. It's not anger anymore. See, there is a difference between anger and bitterness. There's a difference between anger and bitterness. Anger is a flash. Anger is a few hours, maybe a few days at most, okay? Bitterness is growing slowly based on that sense of imbalance and unfairness in your life. Think about the, uh, the collapse or falling out that we've been talking about in this series that you have most or recently experienced. Maybe, maybe you've just been wronged or you have seen or experienced an injustice in your life or the world or someone you trust breaks that trust. You feel like you've been taken advantage of. You didn't deliver. They didn't deliver. You had an agreement, but the agreement went wrong. And and it wasn't just because it was one time, it was because it was a couple of times, and it just really built up a sense of bitter. You may have a degree of anger, certainly, okay? And if you came here and you shared your story, we'd all sit there and say, hey, I could see why you're angry, but here's what we need to understand, okay? If you got anger, be aware, bitterness starts there. In fact, let me just say this all out loud together, even if you're home, even if you're watching alone or with friends and family, it's okay if we all do it together. It's a whole lot, lot less weird. So let's say this together. God anger, be aware. Bitterness starts there. Now, fair warning today is going to be super heavy on the rhymes. We got cat in the hat from the library and between that and green eggs and ham. I'm just a little bit out of control, I'll be honest. And if you wait long enough, guess what? The main point of today's message, spoiler alert, it rhymes too. I know you're excited, so am I. Okay, so bitterness has now crept into our lives, crept into our hearts. What do we do about it? What do you do about it? Well, you keep feeding it, don't you? Isn't that what we do to bitterness, the plant of bitterness, right? Doesn't it kind of feel good too when we feed it? When our spouse messes up or our ex messes up and they mess up again and again and again, coworkers mess up and kids mess up, employees mess up, and it just builds, doesn't it? And you put, that, you put that anger and frustration into that bitter bucket, and you feed that bitterness to that plant, and it grows. And it grows so much that it makes reconciliation. 
It makes repair of that relationship, of that part of your heart, so difficult. In fact, it makes it, I would argue, even borderline impossible to experience because you just don't have a plant of bitterness in your life. At this point, you have a forest of bitterness in your life. And the, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know exactly who that even is, but they pretty much say that as, as, as well at the end of this verse 15 that we're looking at. Bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It's not just one. See, eventually bitterness grows into a forest and it consumes even those things, those things in your life and my life that were good. You can't even see those good parts anymore because of the overgrowth of bitterness from one area of your life. Another book of the Bible talks about bitterness and the book of Deuteronomy, and it says bitterness is like a poison. And what does poison do? Poison compromises the whole, even the good parts. Poison can even hurt other people. Bitterness has this amazing ability to then hurt other people and begin in their hearts and in their minds little seeds and roots of bitterness as well. A little example that the writer of Hebrews gives us, specifically he uh, or she, in fact, was writing, uh, we don't know who, uh, to a uh, Jewish audience. And so they leveraged uh, a, a well-known Jewish story. If you grew up in church, you may be familiar with it as well. And they, the author leverages this story to remind us about the implications of bitterness. Here's the story. Um, See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless, like... Esau, Jacob and Esau, the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. He came home, Esau did one day, he was so hungry, he sold his inheritance, which means so much more to a Jewish audience than it does us, but essentially he sold the most precious thing he had as the eldest son. He essentially sold what was equivalent to the blessings that God had given his family and would soon give to him. Essentially, he sold his devotion, his relationship with God, his father, to his other brother, Jacob, for one meal. Afterward, afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. The deal was done. Even though he had sought the blessing with tears in his eyes, he could not change what he had done. Did he feel bitter? Did he feel like there was an imbalance and anger? You bet. For sure. I would argue that what happens next in the Jewish audience knew what the writer of Hebrews was getting at. Because Esau's lineage from that point forward was outside of God's people. His people became what's known as the Edomites, no longer associated with the kingdom of Israel. So what's the solution? What's the solution to this thing that not only can hurt us internally, but also hurt those around us, possibly for generations? What is the solution? What is the solution to that bitterness that bears fruit, that brings people to the point where they're backing away in shock with a little bit of a lemon face? The author of Hebrews gives us the answer, the solution. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. This right here is so important. 
fact, this right here is what makes Christianity really unique among other world religions. And so maybe you're here today and you're exploring faith. You're exploring faith maybe for the first time in a long time. I just want to let you know that Infused Church and Christianity, we're not here to shame you. That may have been your Christian experience, but that is not this version of Christianity. The Hebrews writing version of Christianity, the Bible version of Christianity, because they are there to share the grace of God. And we are here to share the grace of God to you. Because listen, you and I, let's be honest, we've done some pretty imperfect things in our life. That's why we have the tagline imperfect people. We've done some sinful things. And what is sin being? Sin being when we miss the mark with God's version of how we're supposed to live our lives, how we're supposed to love, how we're supposed to treat one another. When we miss that, that is sin. I'm not trying to tell you that to shame you or make you feel bad, but isn't it true that you even fall short of your own expectations of yourself so often? You, you hope to live this way. You hope to treat people this way. You hope to be kind in this way, and yet you fall short unless you find, and, and, and you find more bitterness in your life than you even knew was there, or anger in your life, or, or you hurt people and you didn't mean to, but there you are. You've certainly, I'm guessing, fallen short when it comes to your Father in heaven too. There's been times that you've ignored God, you've said He doesn't even exist maybe, you've become or became irreverent at times, you have certainly mistreated, as I have certainly mistreated in my life, his children, i.e. our neighbors, i.e. humanity. We have hurt other people. Everyone that you have come eyeball to eyeball with is considered in Christianity God's child, their, God's son or daughter. See, we've fallen short. And again, I don't say that to shame you, but you already knew this. You may be feeling shame, but you already knew that you have fallen short. Remember I talked about bitterness begins with an imbalance? Christians, we believe that we created this big imbalance, this big collapse between ourselves and God, God, a perfect God. And then we created that imbalance inside, even to ourselves when we fall short of our own expectations. But here's the good news. And here's where I hope you feel the love of God. And here's what I hope you begin to understand about your Father in heaven that maybe you haven't understood before. Maybe Christians in this world have, have kind of um, made it uh, a negative experience for you and, and made religion and Christianity a negative experience. But here's what I hope in the midst of even when we fall short and you fall short and I fall short, that we get to know really well. Even though we hurt God, even though we caused him great harm, even though we created a collapse and an imbalance, God didn't get bitter. God made it better. God didn't get bitter. Even though he had all the right to do that, he made it better, which is really the opposite of what we so often do, especially when we're bitter. We, we hold it grudges. We hold it against people. We sit there and we simmer on it, don't we? This is the opposite of where, we, this is what we should be doing. And we tend to do the opposite, which is so much easier. It's so much easier, isn't it, there to sit there and just simmer in that bitterness and to build that plant up, let that plant fester and grow. 
This is hard, but this is life-changing. This is hard, but this is love. God said, the world, you and I, everyone in it, he said to us, I love you. I'm going to give you grace. Even though I could be mad at you, hold it against you, record your wrongs, that's not what love does. Love keeps no records of wrongs. You don't deserve it, but I forgive you. You don't deserve it, but I forgive you. I love you. My friends, that is what we call grace. Unmerited favor. Grace says that when I'm parenting and my daughter doesn't listen and she gets out the paint even though it's nine o'clock at night and she should be in bed and I tell her not to get the paint out, she gets the paint out and she puts it all on the dining room table. What does that say that I do? What does grace require me to do? It requires me to forgive. It requires me to love even in the midst of a moment in which I don't justifiably have to. It requires me to help. It requires me to help clean up the mess, even though I don't have any responsibility for it. It requires me to have a willingness to serve even those who haven't served me first. Do you remember that from last week? The fact that God is with us. God's there even when we're bitter. Even when he has all the reason to be upset with us, God is with us. Even when maybe we need to lament something that we were the cause of, he's there even in our own mistakes and sins and doing. The thing is, you can't let bitterness do what bitterness does best and drive a wedge between you and the God of creation and of the people you care about most. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. In other words, be sure that no one falls behind on grace. That bitterness does not take root. In other words, you and I may need some help because what the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, listen, make sure your friends and your family members and those around you do not fall short of the grace of God. They do not fall out of the grace of God and they do not fall behind on extending the grace of God to others. God chose to be with us despite all the reasons he had to be better. And we need to realize that in some relationships, we need to do the same. We need to bring grace to the table even though we don't have to. So my encouragement is to get better, not bitter. Get better, not bitter. Let's say this one last time together. Get better, not bitter. Imagine in some of those relationships, those broken relationships that you have in your life, those relationships maybe that you haven't talked to in a while, in a long time. Would it change anything for you if you knew the other person on the end of that broken relationship, on the end of that relationship, where there could be a whole lot of bitterness, didn't have any bitterness anymore? That the person on the other side was no longer bitter, 
and instead wanted to connect with you to share with you God's grace, would that make it easier for you to reconcile with them? More willing to sit down and talk about things with them? If you knew what was going to meet you on the other side of that initiation of a conversation or reinitiation of a relationship was grace, I realize it's so much more easier to go into those situations burdened by bitterness, burdened by the hurt that you have experienced in your life and the hurt that other people have caused you. My encouragement to you, if that is your case, to read the story of Jesus. Pick up what we we normally offer when we gather in person. We offer the story Bible. Um, You can pick up one um, online. Uh, They're pretty darn affordable. And you should go and read Jesus, the story of Jesus through the Gospels. Because Jesus is a perfect example of the fullness of grace and truth. You pick up that story. If you really need a story Bible, I will will personally send you one. You just send us an email and we will send you one if that's what it takes for you to read through that part of the Bible and read about Jesus, who was a model of grace fully in this world, who endured so much pain and suffering, was so often hurt was so often treated with great imbalance, with great anger and injustice. And yet in the midst of that, he said, I came to serve. I came to love the world. I came to show the world God's love and to redeem the world. So those of you who are out there, he would say, those of you who are weary and burdened with the bitterness in your life, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Use me as the model. Follow me as the model to learn from what it means to be gentle and humble in heart and to give grace and to receive grace. And Jesus says he will give you rest for your soul. Jesus consistently had reason for bitterness in his life, but he always, always bettered the situation He leveraged grace and truth when he needed to, to better the situation. Pursue that betterness. It's hard. It doesn't come naturally. It takes work. But if you use God as the model and his son as the model for what grace is and accept that grace personally, even in the midst of your own sins, my friends, it can change your life. In fact, it's meant to change your life, to experience the forgiveness of God because he gave you grace. Today and this month, we're doing something a little different. I'm leaving you with some discussion questions uh, as we wrap this up. So talk at home at the end of today's service uh, or maybe in your small group this week or call up a friend or at the very least just internally kind of Uh, think through these questions. Um, We'll make them available at the end of service as well as on our social media pages, Um, or you can just take a picture of it. We'll put it up on the screen. But um, the first question is, where, when does bitterness occur most in your life? Just calling it for what it is. Where and when does bitterness pop up the most in your life? People show, and for me, people uh, it, well, for me, I'm kind of selfish. I think bitterness is rather selfish in general, but it's when people fall short of my expectations, what I need. That's when bitterness comes into my life. And part two of this question, it's actually kind of a two-part question, um, but the first question is a yes or no. Do you think you're in need of God's grace? 
follow-up, how would it look to model that same grace to others? How would, it model, how would it look to model that same grace with others? Don't let the wedge of bitterness occur. Strive to be better through God's grace. Don't let that plant, that root of bitterness, turn into a forest that defines your life and hurts those around you. If you would, bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, bitterness is one of those parts of life that can sneak in, that can grow into our hearts and into our minds in ways that we don't even recognize. So Lord, I first just pray that you would help us to recognize the bitterness for what it is, to name it, like that first, the first discussion question says, help us or help others or help us to invite others even into that dialogue to figure out when does bitterness come up? Where am I bitter in my life? And how can I get better, not bitter? And Lord, please, please help us to recognize your grace. Help us to know your grace. Help us to realize that we have fallen short of you we have fallen short of our own expectations and we have fallen short of the expectations of those around us that we, we really have, not, not, in sh- not for, for the meaning to shame us, but just for truth, acknowledge that we've fallen short, we've, we've sinned. And that the solution to that, as is the solution to bitterness, is your grace that that can repair what is broken, that that can repair the imbalance, that that can be the gift that we so desperately need. Help us to recognize that, Lord. Help us to pray to you and invite you to show us what that looks like if we don't already know or remind us if we do. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.